every single time that you have a month or two months or three months of very low sales, all those people still want to do something. Problem is the bounce back on the other side is so crazy. Welcome to the Tom Story Show with Steve Karish and Tom Story, where we discuss everything real estate or whatever else is on our minds. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Tom Story Show. I appreciate you being here, whether you're listening on Sunday or any other day of the week. We really, really do appreciate it. If you're watching us on YouTube, and you've been coming back every single week and you have not yet subscribed, please do it. If you subscribe, I think Steve will shave his mustache. Is that what it is, Steve? That's not going to happen. Listen, less listen we're, averaging like, we're averaging like close to 6,000 views per week. Right now, Tom Story, and we have less than 4,000 subscribers. Like, this math makes no sense. Doesn't Click that just mean the channel's performing well, though? Isn't that a good thing? I would think. No, because everybody <laughs> needs to hit. I, I think it means about 2,000, 3,000 people don't want to be associated with us. Well, I'll tell but, you, the, the guest that I haven't introduced yet, she said to me, she's like, Tom, if you're not at 3,000 subscribers, don't even think about asking me to come on this show. Right. So, so the... <laughs> I'm joking, obviously, but the but the but the more people that subscribe and the more guests we reach out to and show them the validity of the show, uh, it certainly helps. So if you are showing up every single week and, and and watching the show and appreciating it, if you could subscribe, we would appreciate that. And hey, for all you audio listeners, we didn't forget about you either. Thank you for showing up and downloading the episodes every single now week. over 560 some odd Spotify followers, by the way. Mm. So that's growing. That side is that growing too. Is awesome. Well, we are back. This is the Tom Story Show. We're talking about real estate. I'd like to introduce our guest this week, who is Vonnie Fast. Now, for all the listeners, don't worry. We didn't bring on another real estate agent this week to talk about what's going on with the real estate market and pump up the market, because that's all Steve does every single day. <laughs> we brought on someone way smarter than that. We brought on someone who does not sell real estate. In fact, what they do is they sell things to real estate agents, and that is the genius in this. So, Vonnie Fass, welcome to the show. Thank you guys so much for having me. It's going to so, be fun. I didn't really give you the real introduction that you deserve there. Um, Vonnie, our relationship goes back probably seven or eight years um, yeah. You're our main contact for how we give gifts to our clients, so we can go into more detail on exactly what that is. I know Steve has used the Cutco brand for Steve. You went back how how long for Cutco? As long as I can remember in my career. I think Chris was doing it before I even joined the team. So, Vani, for the people that don't know what that means, what is it? What do you do, and how do we all have a relationship? Mm, yes, well, Tom, yeah, you and I go back seven to eight years. So yeah, we we support mostly realtors, other business owners as well, mortgage brokers. I work with some construction companies, builders, things like that. But mostly realtors, I think, because I just connect to you guys. I really get your world. Uh, we support realtors with gifts, client appreciation, whether it's closing gifts, referral gifts, you name it. And we do it in a non-traditional sense, in the sense that we use Cutco uh, primarily as the vehicle to deliver gratitude. Uh, so instead of just the typical basket or gift card, bottle of wine, things like that, those are typically consumed. So we wanted to go a different direction and get you guys something memorable that you could gift clients that they would have forever and use daily and just would be classy gifts, right? High end, uh, good quality, stays forever. So that's what I do. And so I've been in, I've been immersed in the real estate world for 15 years. So I've been an entrepreneur for 30 years. I've been, I've been with Cutco actually for 30 years. Uh, I started my journey selling Cutco years, like I was first year university student. We can talk like more door, about that. Like door to door? You no, know, not never door to door. We weren't oh. actually allowed. Like, yeah, we had to do it through referral. If somebody went door to door, that, that was actually huh. not okay. <laughs> we had to kind of start with our sphere and get referrals. It was a referral only business. And again, I can talk more about that later if you want. But yeah, I built my database that way and built my business that way, uh, doing in-home sales and service through referral. And then entered the real estate industry 15 years ago to support agents with this gifting idea. It wasn't my idea. Can't take credit uh, <laughs> for the whole idea, but it really just went, it kind of, it just uh, went like kind of spread like wildfire across North America. And, and myself and a few colleagues uh, were, we, we brought it to Canada. Basically, so now I, I yeah. Speaking of real estate, I I'm in touch with realtors across Canada every day. 
How are they doing? Oh, are they feeling okay these days? Yeah, yeah. Are, are orders up or down right now, Vani? That's a, the, real, the closing gift uh, market tells us which way we're headed. It's a good representation. Yeah. Yeah, let me tell you about that. I It's interesting. It's going to be our third best year ever, hmm. uh, which is really, really cool. Uh, so Did you I get people at the beginning of the year to pre-order everything? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, let me clarify this. Um, our business tripled during COVID because we just we were able to get the message out across Canada. So that's part of the reason my business is, is actually really doing okay still. Like it's, uh, I have a strong, strong database, a big database of clients, realtors uh, that I work with across Canada, but definitely like it's a different year. And we feel that reflective. Like my business is actually, I ride the market just like right. you guys. Uh, my business is reflective of that. I think wh- how, why I'm a little bit maybe insulated from the crazy downs of the market is because we do have a strong database and I got everybody to pre-order a hundred gifts at the beginning. No, I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, it's definitely the, it's, I'm in Alberta. So I, I hear different things from where in Alberta, of, just for the listeners, we're in Alberta. Calgary. Yep. Yep. And there seems to be it, something I've said this before to guess, but there seems to be something in the water in Calgary for people that we knew just, just doing things at a high level. You're yeah. all very entrepreneurial out there. It's really interesting. Like for yeah, someone that's never really been there or spent time there, meeting people from there, it's like all everyone I know there is doing things at a very high level. Yeah, yeah. There's a real entrepreneurial spirit in Calgary. Um, there definitely is. I mean, even my family, I'm an entrepreneurial family too. I'm kind of following my dad's footsteps. He was an auto body mechanic for like, he still is. He's like 80. <laughs> still works on cars. Anyway, he ran his own business. I, I don't know, Alberta, yeah, Calgary, there's a real spirit there. Um, but yeah, I think my sense of it is, um, I definitely hear a lot from my realtors that things have slowed down for sure. Gradually throughout the year as interest rates went up and up. And I think, um, yeah, just you're, you're handling a lot of, um, questions that's really busy with sometimes not as many results to tie to that. Uh, you know, realtors are having to, um, handle expectations, uh, really educate. Like, and that's what I see sales as anyways, like we are educators and I know Tom, you, you buy into that philosophy, philosophy for sure. But I think Calgary, it's interesting. I get a sense that it's a little bit stronger here than Ontario. Uh, I, you know, I was talking to Marnie Campbell. She's one of our clients mm-hmm. and uh, I know you know her and um, she was saying that she, once every few weeks, she gets a call from people in Ontario wanting to move to Alberta, Calgary, because it's still a city where you can buy a, you know, a 1953 bungalow for 700 K, you know, or uh, like, it's not, um, uh, you know, still the average 1.3 in Toronto. Right. So yeah. And with interest rates going up, people are having to make, make uh, interesting decisions. Right. About, um, because so that didn't stop because when I thought like, you know, a lot of that interprovincial migration seemed to be happening during the lockdowns and the pandemic and people having like realizations in their life that like, oh my God, I can go do something I've always wanted to do. And now's the opportunity. But right. now that we're kind of, I don't know if we're fully past all the things that have gone on, but we're in a different part of the world now. People are still doing that. Still a good chunk of businesses, people from Ontario, BC coming over and going, you know what? It's time to, to come to Calgary. Yeah, I think so. And maybe that's part of why the, I mean, get, we're getting a lot of migration into the city for other reasons as well. And, but uh, yeah, I mean, we still are looking at like, I think I was at a, a town hall, political town hall the other day, just trying to learn things. And I mean, housing, affordable housing here is still like one of the number one, like the housing crisis is still like here too. Uh, but I think there's, there's a little bit more strength. Uh, my understanding is uh, in the Calgary market right now due to a number of reasons. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know if you want me to go into any more on that. I mean, yeah, uh, honestly, I I would love that. And actually it's interesting you say that because, you know, from our markets, me and Steve, we would look at Calgary and go, that is affordable housing. But then people in Calgary would go, no, 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 this is not affordable housing. And it's interesting to see that even though there's such a Delta in price points for all of our markets, regardless of market, I mean, listen, Steve could go on an hour rant on this. I can see him waiting. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that conversation will be everywhere. And actually, so um, on on we're recording this on a Friday. On Wednesday, I did uh, live news. And whenever you do the live news, uh, you have to watch the news. It's like you're on for about two minutes waiting. It's actually kind of nerve wracking because you're just like you're like, can we just start? I just want to do this. 
yeah, and it, yeah. was, it was a real estate story and um, they showed um, Jagmeet, Steve, your favorite, and he was talking about affordable housing being built in Toronto and how we don't need any more luxury condos. It's like, it's hard to argue with what he's saying, but there was no like, well, who's going to build it? Who's going to build it? Where's the money going to come from? Um, so Vani, sorry to, to interrupt you there. Um, in terms of, of everything that's going on in Calgary, do you want to kind of go a bit more in depth on that? Yeah, well, I do know there's still multiple offer situations here. Like the the, uh, yeah, but I do think the demand might again. I could be speak. I I listen to my realtors. Like yeah. I actually watch news. I should. I should. I totally should watch more news. Mm, um, I don't know if you're missing much. You know? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the demand has slowed uh, overall, and because of the interest rates, I think people are kind of holding. You know, they're just kind of. I don't know. Should I make the move? Right. There's that uncertainty. Um, but yeah, I think still that there, the demand is still outweighing some of that supply, yeah. but prices haven't really reflected that in an interesting, like prices are still like pretty, still. uh, high. it's interesting what you say, like it's all relative, right? Like it's all the environment that we're, or the water we're swimming in. We just, uh, like in Calgary, I think, you know, yeah, we're still like, oh, we need affordable housing. Like we, we, we still need more homes. We need more development. We need all that. And they're, they're looking at even down the street here in our neighborhood, they're looking at higher density, all that kind of stuff, like more density inner city and all that kind of stuff to accommodate some of that demand over time. But yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, my sense is that there's still like not enough supply. And, you know, even though our average home price, I don't even know, is maybe five fifty now yep. versus what it would be in Toronto would be one point would you say one point one, one point you average. bang on, bang on. It's literally one yeah, it's one one. Yeah. Yeah. But it for us who have, you know, um I bought my uh, my wife and I bought our bungalow here seven years ago at seven hundred K and our my first condo was hundred and thirty. Uh my second condo was three hundred K. Like these are bigger number, like not yeah. 130 now, but 700K is still like a number for us. That's, we're not used to it. We don't swim in the water of what you guys have uh, been exposed to, I guess. And so maybe it just, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah. It seems you know, like Calgary is just doing the opposite of what our markets are doing. Whenever we're going up, they're going down. And when we're dropping off, they're still kind of riding along pretty nicely. Steve, have you yeah. finally seen the, okay, now we are, we are, I think it's like 20 something months past the first rate hike. Mm-hmm. Have you started seeing the listing side of things where people are like, I got to sell. It's time. I can't hold on anymore. Is that now happening? Cause there's a lot of chatter I mean, out there about foreclosures and they're up 400%, which is going from zero to like 10 or whatever the number was. But are you seeing that? Uh, I get the feeling like there's some pressure, but realistically, our inventory two days ago started dropping again and now it's continued. I was like, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know if you saw it, Tom, you probably don't watch my channel. You just click the like button and move on, but I don't even click I the like button. A, yeah. Thanks. Thumbs down from Tom. <laughs> um, I just did a video saying, and I've always said this 6,000 to 6,500 is a very nice market for us in active listings on the marketplace. And as soon as it was, it was creeping close to 6,000, and then I posted that video and then I think it hit 6,100 for like a day or two days. And I just checked again. We're back down to 5,700. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing now, I thought we were going to see this continual steady increase even through January. And we're starting to see the, se- the seasonal drop off of which I was not expecting at all. And then you think all this stuff about uh, foreclosures and and all these people that are in trouble and there's the there's the 90 day missed payments. There's the six months missed payments, which is extreme foreclosure. I was just in a presentation uh, yesterday, and oh geez, what are they called? They gave me a pen. What's the other guys? Not the CMHC. What's the other guys? Canada? Aussie? No. The superintendent. Uh, no, the other insurer. Not CMHC. Gen Genworth. What used your- to be Genworth? Oh oh my God, uh, Sajin Sajin, Canada. Uh, anyway, one of these ones. I don't know. There's three major insurers, right? Yes, yeah, Sage. We all I think is the second one. And then there's the other two. Which used to be so Jenworth, of, and there's another one, yes. One of those ones, Canada 
direct. I don't know. Anyway, someone will tell us in the is, comments. Yeah, totally. They will. And I could Google it right now, but I'm not going to, because rather I would tell you my half remembered story. Um, <laughs> basically though, he was sitting there going like, listen, we are the insurer. The foreclosures are not here. Mm. The missed payments are not here. Like this was sure, the client that worked for them. This was the a guy that actually worked for the insurance company, the default okay. mortgage insurance company. And he's like, it ain't happening. It's just yet. not. It's not happening yet. yet. It's never happening yet. It's going to happen. Just give it another 90 days. Next week. But he's just like, we get to see the delinquent payment reports, right? right? Mm. The 30, 60, 90, uh, and then whatever it is, 180 day delinquencies. And he's like, standard, hmm. still just is what it is. It's no big deal. There's no alarm bells going off. And then the other thing that he said that I was like absolutely blown away by is their calculations. I don't know exactly what his role was, whether it's economist or whatnot, but he says that the current uh, rate of immigration, Canada by 2050, so let's call it 25 and a bit years, will be at double the population of now. So 80 mil? So he just said, think about that. Think about the problems we're having at 40 million. Should we keep up at the same percentage increase rate over time? We're going to be at 80 million people uh, by the time Steve retires here. So it's like, how, what is that going to do for the overall marketplace? Well, I think it's going to probably, um, you know, continue to let people in Vancouver and Toronto just realize unreal amounts of, of value in their properties. Yeah. Um, or will it not pull yeah. up the prices though of of the Calgarys, of the Edmontons, of the everything? Make, so something like Calgary then stands the chance. Even, I mean, I've never been to to Halifax, but that, these these potentially can start to become large, large cities, right? Yeah. Like almost yeah. international style cities as well. Maybe what Vancouver was twenty five, thirty years ago. This episode is brought to you by Realty Ninja. Real estate agents, listen up. Realty Ninja has created over 9,000 Canadian real estate websites, and they are no joke. I've been using Realty Ninja in my business since they were a small little startup in North Vancouver. Tiny, dusty little office with old leather couch and all. But look at the ninjas now. Realty Ninja is the go-to platform for real estate agents in Canada. Websites are no longer a nice-to-have. They are a must. Your clients expect you to feature their listings in the best light possible. They expect you to go with Realty Ninja. The backbone of my real estate business is my website. I wouldn't pick any other company to host my website other than Realty Ninja. Don't believe me? Go to my website. Check it out right now. Go to krproperties.ca and you will see that it's powered by Realty Ninja and has been for over a decade. They have all of the features I need to grow my business year after year, including lead capture, mobile-friendly design, built-in SEO, and so much more. The best part of Realty Ninja is it's totally free to sign up, no credit card is required, and you only pay when you are ready to launch your new Realty Ninja website. And no, that's not it. Sign up today at realtyninja.com slash Tom, and you will receive 20%, yes, 20% off of your entire first year when using Realty Ninja to host your real estate website. Their templates are super easy to work with yourself, or you can have the ninjas design something for you like I did. Not only is Realty Ninja the best product on the market, but it's also affordable. Listeners of this show know that I am as cheap as they come, and I've been using Realty Ninja for well over a decade now. Start your free trial today, and when you launch, save 20% using our link in the description below. And let Realty Ninja help you take your real estate business to the next level. And now, back to the podcast. Right? So, I just I'm I'm blown away by the trouble that we're not having because as you know Tom I've been pretty pessimistic lately and over the about the next 18 months and now my mindset's even starting to turn around around that because interest rates five year fixed rates starting to go back down, down again. Yeah. Bonnie, your real estate journey, I think you know there there's certain people that watch this show that maybe own lots of real estate but I know there's a lot of people that are thinking about getting in, you know, and right. a lot of the conversation right now is well this is not the right time. There's too much uncertainty. I'm not going to do it. When you bought that first condo for $100,000, was it in Calgary? 
<laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I yeah. do have a story that I'm I'm wondering whether to tell it. But please do. Um, oh, please okay. Do. Should I really? Um, it was I was 30 years old, so yeah. my first condo was in Calgary. Yeah, it was uh, 130k, which it's interesting to me. I feel like I was actually thinking about this this morning because I, I wasn't sure what you were to ask me, but I was thinking about my personal real estate journey, which may or may not relate to like someone at 30 in Toronto, who's looking at like a, the, the condo they're looking at is like 600. Yeah. Okay. But either way, I think the point that maybe could relate to other people, I'm not sure, but I have, I have been super naive when it comes to real estate because I have never timed the market to and maybe I had the luxury of that because interest rates, like I, I just was naive to it all. So why I'm laughing is I was 30 years old. I was going through a really hard time personally in my life. And I remember talking to my sister. She's older. She was older than she's older than me. And I was, we were having a coffee and she's like, why don't you? And I just didn't know what to do next in my life. And I was renting for like whatever per month I was renting for the amount of a mortgage payment, really like, mm-hmm. I relate to other people. I was renting and she's like, why don't you just go buy a house just for something to do? <laughs> like, and I didn't really have the savings and my parents weren't contributing to that, but I, we had something like the RSP first time home buyer thing. And I just, uh, I think I got part of my down payment there. I had a little bit of savings. So I was able to put down the minimum required on a condo. And it just like, it gave me some purpose and I never, I don't even remember thinking about interest rates. I don't remember thinking or looking at the market where it was at. I just, I timed it based on like what I needed and wanted to do at the time. So I, I, you know, I know not a, maybe people are more informed than I was at 30, but that was my entry into the market. And I bought in a really like seedy area. I don't even mm-hmm. know. If, it was like, whenever I told anybody it was East village in Calgary and at that time. So that's like now I'm 49, almost 50. So that was 20 years ago. People were like, ooh, you're a single woman at 30 living in the East Village? Like, do you feel safe? And I was mm. like, I, I'm kind of naive to that, too. I have my bag of knives. You know, I sold knives. I felt safe. <laughs> uh, I'm carrying <laughs> knives around. I feel totally safe. <laughs> but I did. And part of it was there was a blues there was a blues club right by there that I freaking loved. And I was like, I'm going to live by the blues can. And also in the, apparently the seediest area. Anyway, I made my first decision based on, I think like no information other than this urge to just live in a certain, like get into the market, something to do a purpose. And, uh, I got in there and then, you know, I, I lived in that loft for a number of years. And then I found a second, we rented, I rented that out, found a second condo. You kept kept that. I did. Yeah. And, um, again, based on the advice of some good, good people, Um, I always like, I leaned into people like my, I leaned into my realtor. I leaned into good friends that were like, I, you know, I really did because I didn't know. I was like, you guys need to guide me. I really actually do that in my life. I I tend to go towards, I'm like, I'm not an expert here. So I'm going to talk to whoever. I'm going to talk to my realtor. Honestly, I'm going to talk to my accountant. I'm going to get a bookkeeper. I'm going to get that. I I don't do that stuff. I, I talk to people about, you know, I do sales. I do build my business. Um, but anyway, so yeah, and then a few years later, I I made the decision to rent that out, found a great renter, um, and then bought a second condo for 300k. It was kind of a new development, and stayed there for a few years, and then rented that out. and And my wife and I seven years ago bought this bungalow. So do you still own both those condos? I do. Yeah. What are they yeah. worth today? Good question. Um, Okay, so the one hundred thirty thousand dollars one we just got assessed. What was this? Oh, it was two hundred thirty. So it definitely rose in value. I mean, we have don't have a parking spot, which is actually fine. Uh, but that's yeah. twenty years of ownership. It's doubled in price in twenty years in yeah. Calgary, essentially. Yeah. Maybe not quite double, but like two thirty. If we put it on the market today, which we're not, but maybe two thirty, two fifty. And how many square feet is that? Just for reference, it's like one square foot. Uh, <laughs> it's so small, though. It's uh. Um, it's, I think it's, uh, shoot, you can tell I'm not a detail person. It's, okay. it's probably like a 500 square foot one, one bedroom, but a loft yeah. style. Okay. Yeah. Loft, uh, 500 square feet. And, uh, then my second one, one bedroom and den, 
which we rent out now, is um, yeah, 800 square feet. And then our bungalow is uh, just where we live and we love love this place. Like, Can I just point something out here, Tom? I just want for everybody that's going to be in the YouTube comments talking about the exact right time to buy and all this junk about how this is a bad time or this is a good time or where we need rates to be. <laughs> The person on this call that probably owns the most real estate right now, which is in the, in the middle, isn't really paying attention to all that stuff. It's but true. It's like buy it, set. It's almost like the set it and forget it thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like when it makes sense, you you make the move. So you you decided to make a purchase. Obviously, I'm not going to say that it was. Uh, I mean, it's definitely now harder to do. Maybe not yeah. 20 years ago because your interest rates would have been very much the same price, obviously a lot lower, probably incomes, I'm assuming, a lot lower as well. Yeah, it was. But, but when you made that decision to buy, so that wasn't on your radar at all, and then one day you just thought, I'm I'm going to go ahead and do it? Yeah, for sure. I uh, So yeah, like I said, I was talking to my sister, I was like kind of 30, I was like like a milestone in my life, I'm like, I think I, I think I just got, yeah, I just broke, I just got out of a five-year relationship. I was lost, man. I was just lost and confused, lost, dazed. And anyway, she's like, I'm like, what do I do next in my life? And, and, uh, I still remember. And the reason I laugh and I, as I went, she's like, she's like, why don't you buy a, why don't you buy a condo? And, uh, I actually, I was like, okay, yeah. And I went to go to the bathroom. Like I was actually, I don't even know if I should share this. I was sitting there on the bathroom and I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy a condo. And I just, it was like that. And I was That's like, where I get all my best thinking done too, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> you're in the shower, you're in the, and I don't really know, like maybe it was intuition. It was this, that, whatever. She put it in front of me. I was like, yes, that's what I'm going to do right now. And I had the luxury. I'm honestly privileged. Like, yes, my income was a lot lower, but I was able to figure out what to do to do that. And I had the means, uh, or I found the means to do that, but I'm really grateful. Like Steve said it, I, I don't, you know, I know now I know way more about the market uh, and I'm involved with realtors and I, I got the industry more and more and more. But I think I was like, I'm going to follow my dream on this or like mm-hmm. my, my dream. <laughs> I'm like, do that. And uh, I'm just really grateful that. I so did. I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a geezer on this. And I know people probably get sick of me saying this sort of thing. But I here's the thing. When you tell that story, it's not that far off of of my particular story. I was younger when I did it, but it was like, okay, I made the decision within two and a half days of like, from where am I going to go rent next to, Oh, why don't I like, I want to buy a place. Right. So I made that choice, but what gets lost in so much of this, and it sounds like you were in a time in your life where you're like, I don't know what the F is going on with anything happening. Right. So (laughs) did you find, cause I know what I found when I uh, bought my first place and I moved in at 24, 25 years old. First of all, it was the first time in my life I lived by myself. I always had roommates or or whatnot, lived at home. Two things happened to me. One, I had to get very comfortable with being lonely which was interesting for somebody that had never basically been alone. So that was a, a journey because I remember coming home from work, being by myself and hating it and then learning to love, le- learning to love it. And then it became now you the miss it. Eh? <laughs> now I just like kids, can you go out? Um, Daddy's quiet. But, that, but what gets lost in everything that we do is the pride and home ownership. And if anything at 30 years old, when you're lost, and you don't know what to do. I don't think the best thing for you to do is go find yourself in Australia. Yeah. I think the best thing you can do is ground yourself somewhere, give yourself a, a some pride of ownership over something, um, and then go ahead and find out what it is you're meant to do because we're not all going to travel in Australia for the rest of our lives. Yeah. Did you find any what was the benefit you found? Is that when things changed for your work career or was the work career already moving? That's interesting that you asked that because, um, yeah, I remember making that decision. And part of it was that I was paying the same, like I, I realized. So once I made the decision, I was like, wait a second, like, or part of the decision-making, yes, I decided I'm going to buy a condo. Right. And okay, now I'm going to look at the feasibility of this. Like, it's kind of like the, the how shows itself once you once you mm-hmm. uh, 
sometimes you don't need to know the how you just uh, you just make the decision say yes and the how shows up and I remember looking at the numbers after that or as part of that decision and my rent I was paying like almost as much almost as much and yes I had to figure out the down payment I had to figure out that so uh, but I remember being nervous about it because I was already living alone uh, but only for a little bit in this basement kind of uh, apartment and um, I remember um, being nervous about it because I am in sales. I run my own business. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm 100% commissions ever since I was 18. And I, it felt like, even though it was very similar payments, it felt like a real commitment. Like, I can't just, like, move back up. Like, I have a mortgage payment now. And so in some ways, that forced I've always been focused in my business. I've always been somebody that shows up and does the things I need to do. I'm really consistent that way. So it's not like that changed, but I, I remember feeling like, okay, there's a sense of commitment. Yes, pride of ownership. I own something here. I have a piece of land or a condo or a piece of the sky or whatever, but I gotta make this thing, like this is for real now. I like I felt like I was adulting <laughs> and um, forced me to find the means. And um, I've never looked back. It all kind of, you know, I, I but I remember being nervous about taking that step. It seemed like a real commitment. And, uh, but I'm glad I did it. Like it just. What was your first mortgage payment? Do you remember the amount? Yeah. Good question. I think it was, was it 700 something? It was seven. It was low. Like, but 20 years ago, that was like the same as a $1,500 month or, month or whatever payment I think now, but maybe it was 700 something. I remember how scary my $633 a month payment was on my first place <laughs> and my $115 maintenance fee. Yeah, right. And then within, I want to yeah. say within a year and a half or two years, I was almost doubling that payment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I could have done the minimum. I could have, but it was like, okay, we, we made this work now. Obviously uh, the argument there is, well, things are a lot more expensive now. So were incomes. I qualified for my first place on 16, maybe $17 an hour. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. Right. So that was the, and who's making that's, that's literally minimum wage now. Minimum wage back when I qualified, I wanted, I don't know what it was in 2004. I'm assuming no, it was six No bucks. stress test back then in 40 year AMs, right? No stress test, but my first, first rate, what was it? Five, eight, four or something. Hmm. So, I mean, very similar to now, but it was only a $138,000 place, but two yes. years, but no, not two years before, three years before my brother bought a 1950s thousand square foot rancher on a 10,000 square foot lot for this for about the same price for tenant landlord or homeowner insurance policies go to squareone.ca slash the tom story show use the link in the description save $20 when you start your free quote right now yeah so that's how much the market had gone crazy at that time and then my parents what were they saying they were like oh how is he ever going to get into the market Right? How's how's he going to make it work? You're paying one hundred and forty thousand dollars for a for an eight hundred square foot condo. This is lunacy. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Vonnie, the the two condos that you kept. Um, yeah. So you know, I think that there's an argument that could be made that if you're going to invest in a Calgary condo, don't anticipate much price appreciation because it's just, just it's not going to be the same as the freehold housing there and nowhere close to what condos have done in in ontario or bc um mm. but is it fair to say those mortgages are pretty paid down you might be cash flowing a little bit every single month on those two condos sure for mm. sure yeah by january hopefully mortgages will be paid off and again i've been super lucky like it just yeah there's um there's cash flow there now um and that must be nice it is. It's really cool. And, um, yeah, it gives you some freedom, some choices and it's, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad I, I invested for sure. Um, but at the time it wasn't yeah. even, it wasn't an investment, right? It was just like a, I'm going to be a grown up and yeah. commit to something. It's not like you were thinking about in 20 years, I'm going to keep this thing. It's going to be paid off. And I'm going to be making 1500 bucks a month in cash flow. That wasn't the thought when you bought it, right? It, did, it wasn't so much. It was something to, to do. And, and sure, maybe I had the 
vision of it being a good thing in the future for me, like you kind of get the sense, like get into the market and real estate is a good investment and all that kind of stuff. But I did it for a number of reasons. I, I suppose when I make decisions on things, I do them for a number of reasons. Like, so I was kind of following my heart there. I was following my head a little bit. I was, you know, pride of ownership. I was nervous, but I was excited to focus on something like that and do something different. Um, you know, the m- numbers kind of made sense um, in terms of what I was paying. Yeah. And uh, yeah, but I look at it now. So my second condo actually hasn't appreciated as much in value um, due to a number of factors. The development didn't end up going, whatever. Like I won't lose money there. Uh, I'll gain a little bit depending on the market. But that first condo was definitely like the whole East Village was revamped. um, Hmm. And, um, you know, that has appreciated 100,000, you know, and then there's no mortgage on that one, which is really, really cool. Yeah, I mean, that's great. I think that's the goal for a lot of people, um, whether they think that's the goal for the beginning or eventually figure it out, you know, along the way. Um, I want to get into, so this is a real estate podcast, but I know there's a lot of entrepreneurial people that listen to this. And I I really want to kind of go down that path on, you know, me, you and Steve are very similar in the way that probably 90% of our business is word of mouth. We do a good job for someone. They want to talk about us. And, and I, we're going to go on a tangent on that because I think regardless of industry, people listening to this, this will be very, very helpful for you. Mm-hmm. But just before that, Vonnie, I'm sorry, I'm going to bore you for a second. I need Steve's <laughs> opinion. Uh, Korea, Steve, put out um, their monthly. Now, these are October numbers because they're always like it's a lagging indicator. In the next 15 days, we'll have the November numbers. But here's what Korea said, and this so this is all of Canada, right? And, and the headline that came out of this Korea report was basically the Canadian real estate market is in hibernation mode. <laughs> the, it, Korea didn't say that, but that's what it was taken from it, okay? So mm-hmm. national home sales fell 5.6% month over month in October. So the amount of properties selling in 2023 in October was 6% less than 2022. Now, I don't know if anyone remembers 2022 October was not a great month. Not wait, great wait, month. wait, wait. October 23 was lower than 22. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I read that wrong. Uh, no, month. sorry. Month over month, we fell 5.6%. So I, I okay. did read that wrong. Okay. So to September, we were down 5.6% in total okay. sales volume. But okay. year over compared year, number last year. Compared to, no, last month. Yeah, yeah. But compared to last year, what is it? Hold on. Let me get there. You're getting, you're getting ahead of me here. Okay, okay sorry. Actual not seasonally adjusted monthly activity came in 0.9% above October 2022. 0.9%. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's lower. Uh, national average is actually lower than our board because our board's doing better than that. Now, we were up the, about 10% from last year. Here's the interesting one is, Steve, you kind of touched on this. The number of newly listed properties across all of Canada declined 2.3% month mm-hmm. over month, In where we saw them really ramping up for new listings. Now, across the entire nation, they have declined. The MLS Home Price Index, HPI, um, let me just pull this over here, decreased by 0.8% month over month, but was still up 1.1% year over year. So the average price was up. 1.1% year over year for all of Canada, but we know that's, it's not a bogus number, but it's like, it literally means nothing. It's like comparing, I literally said this on the news the other night. I was like, it's comparing a bad market to another bad market. So it's like this, uh-huh. you know, don't get super excited if you think that, that a gain is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Um, general thoughts on those numbers, Steve? I mean, I like hibernation. It's yeah, probably, it's good, eh? it feels that way. Well, I mean, it's pretty, is that it's the funny title of this episode? About, if you think about, uh, yeah, real estate bears are hibernating. Um, if you think about a bear going into hibernation, you know mm. what the problem is on the other side of that? What? They come out and they're hungry and motivated, man. <laughs> so here's the issue. Every single month that we have a month with low sales right now, rents, I don't know if you saw the story about rents, but they're hitting new record highs again. Yeah. Right. So every time the uh, sales come down, rents go up because people still, as I say on every episode, sleeping inside, pretty in fashion, right? Pretty, pretty cool thing to do. So the other, actually, Mary Lou on my team, who's like a 40, almost a 40 year realtor, is like every single time that you have a month or two months or three months of very low sales, all those people still want to do something. 
Mm-hmm. So she's like, the problem is the bounce back on the other side is so crazy. And actually, I think that's what happened this last year. Because the, the second half of last, 23. the second half of 22 was abysmal. Mm-hmm. And then when we should have kept going more abysmal, everybody was like, oh, yeah, I guess I got to still move. Can I share a crazy, stat, a crazy stat with you? So uh, Toronto Real Estate Board this year is on track to do 65,000 transactions. Okay. In 2021, we did 125,000. I think our 10-year average is like 85. There's that's not again, that's not just the city of Toronto, right? That's all these different areas. Yeah. The the last time we had sales volume at 65,000 units per year was 2001. And this is just like an industry thing. I, I know some realtors mm-hmm. listen to this. In 2001, there was 17,000 active realtors in all of Toronto real estate and surrounding. You want to know how many there are today? Reciprocal of that. 70 with a zero. Yeah, 71. From 17 to 71. The reciprocal. Okay. That was pretty close. That was pretty close. So uh, it's a tough market out there. Uh, and it's interesting because the sales volume, you're right, it isn't happening. And it's been low for several months in a row. What's it going to take? Because the inventory is there. It's on the market. I think it's priced wrong, a lot of it. Mm. But it's it's there. So what's it going to take? What, when do you think? Have you seen that video, by the way, of the of the bear coming out of hibernation and it like shakes itself off. Have you seen that video? No, it's really good. It's really good. It's really funny. It's like waking up from a long nap or like super hungover and you get up and you're like, oh, well, so I what's put out a, poll a while back. I put out a poll a while back and it said, which interest rate is going to set the market off on our channel. And it was like, whatever, five and a half, four or five and a half, five, four and a half, four, or like three, nine, nine, two, nine, nine, whatever. Three, nine, nine was the number. I don't think we're going back there. I think we don't need to get below. Like, if we go to four nine nine, this market is a zoo again. In mean, my market, anyway. I would agree. Uh, if inventory doesn't keep piling up, if the numbers continue to trend, the inventory is going down, although still much higher than it was. Can I ask a question? I probably shouldn't ask Bonnie, but I'm going to anyway because I'm a shit disturber. Mm-hmm. So you, your primary clientele is real estate agents from across Canada. And mortgage brokers, but yeah, mostly realtors. Well, let's not talk about them. They're bearish at the best of times. Um, where on on demographic wise, ge- geography wise, I think is the word I'm looking for. Hmm. What is like the stereotypes of the different agents in different areas? Are there like <laughs> are there like Toronto realtors all suck like Tom Story and Fraser Valley realtors are all awesome like Steve or like what? Like, cause I know like when I'm dealing with someone that comes from a different part of the country and they're moving here, their mentalities are very much the same. Or if I'm dealing with somebody who's buying a property and they're coming from an, a certain industry, then I know how they're going to act already. So like when, since your client, how they perceive realtors in general or BC realtors, no, is like, that- you you probably have a unique perspective where you deal with so many real estate agents from across the country. I just wonder if there's any like, oh yeah, that guy's obviously a Hamilton realtor, right? Like <laughs> that guy's obviously a Vancouver Island, like whatever, right? Like, is there any like stereotypes or differences across the country? Mm, that's such a great question. I feel like I'm going to disappoint you on that. Um, yeah. We're all just yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they fit the stereotypes, uh, or if like, I guess that would be asking me if I have a stereotype too, and like where I go. Oh yeah, that's a realtor from Ontario. Totally, uh, yeah. yeah. Mm, you know, it's interesting. I it's across the board. Like I'm just I'm gonna be super lame and just say I shouldn't say that I'm lame, but I don't feel like there's really a stereotype. However. It is interesting having gone to Realtor Quest in Ontario, Toronto, mm-hmm. that attracts like thousands and thousands. I actually don't know how many realtors attend there, but when we attend there, it's slammed. We are slammed with, of course, there's seventy thousand. I was shocked by that number. I thought it was fifty thousand realtors in Ontario, but I guess I do have. Oh, there's a more bit. in Ontario. That's just that's, that's just. He was just talking about Toronto. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I get it. Like uh, when I do a real estate board a show here, Calgary real estate board, you know, there's a thousand realtors that are there or 700 realtors. And, but I do find like, maybe this is, um, 
I don't know if it's a stereotype or just a fact, but we're so, so intensely busy when we go to RealtorQuest in, in Ontario. And many, many of those realtors are not producing anything, right? Mm. It's kind of that 80-20 rule. Like I think that, uh, or 90-10 rule, like there's a good percentage or there's a small percentage that are doing a lot more of the business, um, which is true in any, like 80-20 is a rule, right? So I do see that more. But maybe it's the same in Calgary, like it's 80-20 still, but it just seems like, yeah, there's um, there's um, a lot of, there's a lot of realtors, like you said, but I, my sense of like, a, I mean, obviously I'm working with people that are producing because they're That's what I was going to say. Is yeah, that Vonnie's perspective is probably different because she's dealing with the people that are willing to invest into their business and they're probably yeah. doing decent business or at least taking it seriously. So it's, you're not getting the... As much actually as the- why I uh, why I asked though Tom because what I'm starting to see is a trend in a few spots right like mm-hmm. Toronto agents maybe it's because there's so many of them maybe that's the bias but they seem to invest more in their own development of their business like the development of them as people becoming better business people Vancouver agents generally speaking there's very little investment in yourself to become a better agent oh. Calgary Something's going on where it's all like almost, I want to say old school, but I guess it's online. It's like lead gen style real estate. It's not so much uh, necessarily focused on like repeat and referral as it is like the Google or the whatever, the Facebook ads and that sort of stuff. And then Mm -hmm. when you meet somebody from like Winnipeg, they're just happy to be there, right? Like, you know, they haven't figured out Winnipeg yet. So they're still just happy, normal folks, right? I'm sure they've figured so, out where they live. Shout out to all the Winnipeg people. Yeah, shout out to the Winnipeg people. We should well. invite Anders on soon. We should, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway, anyway, we should probably. But anyway, I just I was just wondering if there was any sort of thing. Because they do. So when you go to like something like on uh, Ontario, Toronto, and you're going to an event, you probably are, now that I think about it, you're in you're probably having more interactions with people that are looking for client appreciation gifts because they have clients <laughs> to appreciate. And we, we deal with, of course, all realtors at all different volume levels for sure. But yeah, we, you know, maybe I do, we do attract the people that are in, I don't know, investing in themselves and therefore their businesses are better. Like I, it's, I actually have a strong bias towards like my business is always reflective of what I'm investing in. Like you talk about, some people are investing in their their personal and professional development in their own businesses and whatever. I'm like, I am like that girl. I'm like, it always seems like the more I invest in my business and my clients and my relationships and, you know, to build my business, my business grows. Like, it's just right. absolutely reflective of that. But yeah, I think I'm biased towards like, I deal with realtors that are producing so, something, at least because that's why they're buying gifts. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think the real question is how many of them have asked to go on payment plans or financing for the gifts? That's the true <laughs> indication of where the market's at. Um, yeah. You don't have to share that publicly. Okay. So where I want to go with the conversation here for the last 10 minutes, minutes ish, if I could talk, um, yeah. is there are business minded people that listen to this. I feel like we've given them the real estate talk that they were looking for today. I want to know actually what I think is more valuable, but we're going to keep it till the end. You keep the best till last. This episode of the Tom Story Show is brought to you by the Story Team at Royal LePage Signature in Toronto, Ontario. Although he's here on the recording with me right now and I don't like saying nice things about him to his face, Tom and his team, well, they are probably your best pick if you are looking to buy or sell residential real estate in downtown Toronto. Let's face it, probably the city of Toronto itself. Tom, make a strange face if that's wrong. That is correct. That is correct. All right. We are good to go. So if you are looking for one of, if not the top agent in downtown Toronto for your residential real estate needs, condos, semis, Mm -hmm. detached, if you're looking to upsize or downsize, give Tom and his team a call. And Tom, how would they get in touch with you? I think the best thing would be go to the first link in the description uh, of this episode and you can book a call with me at a time that works for you and uh, we'll go over all the information you need and, and see if we can be of service. And I recommend if you are listening to this from across the country and you're either moving to Toronto or if you're an agent outside of Toronto and you have a client moving to Toronto, go ahead and book a call with Tom because he would love to take your referral 
as well. That is the story team at Royal Page Signature in Toronto, Ontario. He's a pretty good guy. He knows what he's doing. Just don't tell him I said so. Tom, the last part we need to do before the end. Uh, this communication is not intended to breach cause any breach. What's that? That was. <laughs> oh, you want me to say it? <laughs> I don't know what the word is. It. I don't even know what the words are. This communication is not intended to cause or induce breach of any existing agency agreement. And now back to the show. Bonnie, I know you've kind of downplayed a little bit. Like, I think you are, if not the number one salesperson at your company, you are very much at the top of it. You've built a business where I remember the first time, and we, we talked about this literally probably an hour ago. Yeah, the first time I walked up to Vani, I was like, Vani, so many people have already told me that you're good at what you do. I have, do not give me any sales pitch here. Just show me where to sign and let's work together. Yeah. And, and, but that's the business that you've built. And I think there's a lot of people, regardless of industry, it doesn't matter. You sell knives. I sell houses. That's, those are different things. Yeah. But what you do on a day-to-day -day basis with the people that have worked with you or are going to refer you to other people is generally the same. And it goes across any industry. So for people in sales that sell anything, how do you get people to trust you and advocate for you and not have to spend money online on advertisements when you could get advertisements by someone just talking about you in a party with their neighbor because then it's word of mouth, which is way stronger than any other type of, of you know, marketing you could put out there, right? Yeah. It's so interesting. And that just grows organically, right? With uh, intention, I think, and purposefulness and deliberate. Uh, you know, we were talking about the, the best sales presentation is a great reputation. Um, I'm just, I am, I guess, um, I'm involved in a community that you're involved in. So mm. that helps it, but it, like people talk to other people and if you give a great service and a great, I mean, you gotta be great at what you do. You're like, that's like the number one thing. And, you know, we all, I think I, I, what I know of you, Tom and, and Steve, and like, you know, we all work on our craft. We work to be great at what we do. We know the market that we're in, or we know the product and service we provide. And we're always, you know, trying to do our very best for everybody out there. And I think that you keep showing up and doing the right things and being good at what you do and investing in your relationships and, and serving people truly like as simple, like I just show up every day and try to serve really. Um, that word gets out. And, um, you know, whether it's, uh, I mean, I've definitely asked for my share of referrals in the past, but at some point it does sort of take on a life of its own where people start coming to you and going, I heard about you. Like, let's yeah. do that. Like there it's a day doesn't go by where I don't get an email from some sort of like, and I don't do any advertising. You guys, I don't Facebook ads. I don't know the first thing about placing a Facebook ad. I, I'm pretty naive to that. Um, or paying for leads. I've never paid for a lead. I, I you know my business is a little different that way in, but at the same time, yeah, whether you sell not, like knives or gifts or houses, there's so much that's the same. And so a day doesn't go by where I don't get a like, hey, I was talking to one of my realtor colleagues, uh, you know, whether it's from your community, the Richard Robbins community or, or somewhere else um, where I don't get somebody likes, you know, hey, I, can you I've heard of you, which mm -hmm. <laughs> is such a beautiful place to get to. So, um, yeah, how did that get created? Like, how do you reach out to somebody and ask them for business in a way that is not like an icky salesperson-y, you know, used car salesman-y vibe? How do you do it in a way that comes across genuine and that yeah. they want to pick up your call when you call back next time? Like, Yeah, I think the relationship has to be there on some level. And so we were talking about building trust. I think you build a lot of trust. and you build a lot through the experience, the initial experience, right? Um, of doing, taking a client through the transaction, through the buying and selling of their home, right? There's so much there that um, is uh, about building trust as you go through and educating them, right? And I do think like, I'm a big believer in, I speak on referrals now. I speak on how to build a resilient referral business. And I think I'm a big believer in give, 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 give. And then you can ask if you need to, because you've got some, some so many of us, I feel, think, think that we're going to come across as desperate or salesy or somehow like it's vulnerable to ask for referrals, I think, too, because um, you're asking for something you could be rejected on it. 
But that's why I think you should ask when you have a strength of something there, the relationship, there is some trust already. And then you can say, and I actually planting the seed with your clients or with people like, hey, I think you do it, Tom, beautifully, or at least I've, I used to do this. Like, hey, I'm going to do my very best for you. I'm going to, um, everything I do is like, we're going to rock this thing together. We're going to do our best given these market conditions. Like you got to be real with people, but planting the seed of like, and just so you know, uh, my goal is to do such a great job for you that you can't help but refer me to friends and family because I want to take care of people. I want to take care of as many people as I can. And I want to work with great people. <laughs> and uh, so I think, I think one of the biggest things for me has been learning to plant the seed on the front end that I'm going to work so hard for you. And I'm going to, I'm going to like go to bat and I'm going to show up for you and I'm going to give you the best experience that I can here and get the job done. Like we're going to buy or sell your home. Uh, We're going to try to get you what you need and what you want. We're going to try to make that happen. And I'm going to do such a great job for you that I, that by the end of it, you can't help but refer me to your friends and family. I think so much of it is just letting, it's actually not a form. I think asking for referrals is not a form of being salesy. It's a, it's an education because I think a lot of people don't know that referrals matter to you, mm-hmm. that you know your business through referral, that you want to help as many people as possible. And, um, you know, I think educating people on that or just sharing that on some level. And then when you go to ask them down the road, like, hey, you know, remember I talked about referrals. Um, you know, I haven't talked to you about that since then. Or, you know, I thank you so much for your review, by the way. That was amazing. And I just want to ask you, is there anyone in your circle, like friends, family, neighbors that have been talking about real estate that might need support um, that you would feel comfortable inviting me into the conversation? Because, you know, um, that's what I do. That's what I do. And, and, and sometimes, you know, I, I need to ask because people don't think of it. So I'm just curious if you've come across anybody that might need support. So I think it's not desperate. It's deliberate. It's, yep. uh, mm-hmm. so let me um, know how, how this sounds, Bonnie, you know, if you've okay. been listening this far in the podcast, we really, really appreciate it. And we've just been trying to educate you and entertain you over the past year and a half. And, you know, if you do know, even if you're not moving, if you know anybody in Toronto or Surrey or any market across Canada, we can connect you with someone awesome. It will really, really would mean the world to, to Steve and myself if you'd think of us. Is that good? I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> How yeah. about if you value this podcast this far in, can you hit the friggin' subscribe button already, guys? Go. Come on. Killing me over here. Just to be clear, though, I'd rather a referral than a subscribe. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely. But that's what, like, that's almost a Canadian thing, right? Like, we almost feel um, mm. that Weird. we can't ask for business. Yeah. And yeah. I think the reason the the States tends to be a little bit more entrepreneurial, and maybe Calgary's the same way, is because there's, it's understood, like, hey, I'm running a business here. And mm. if I can help provide the service that I provide to people, to a friend of yours, I would love to do that because you don't suck. And we worked well together and I liked working with you. So you probably know other people that don't suck. So let's keep this going, right? And we also feel the same way. Whenever I find anybody that really, truly helps me and customer service sucks these days in most places, in my opinion, I feel like I want to go back and and service those people better and, and send them more business. Right. Like I just want to do it more and it's okay to ask. Like I noticed a big difference in the YouTube channel. All I did one thing and Tom, you told me to do this so you can take credit for it. You were like, did you know that you could just tell people that if they need your help, you can just, uh, you know, reach out to me. And so that's when I started putting my calendar link into the YouTube videos. Tom's getting arrested over there, I think. Um, I started putting my calendar link in the YouTube videos and just being like, hey, if you need help, uh, you can book a call with me anytime. And then calls just started getting booked because guess what? There are people out there that need help. Yeah. And And make it easy. Make it easy for them to connect with you. For you, to review you. Yeah. You know, it's like you're almost doing, not doing them a favor, but yeah, in a way, like make yourself referable but then give them an opportunity to refer you like that's right. a service too i i do think like yeah. as yeah you know make it easy for them to review and review we ask for reviews why not referrals i i think um mm. you know just yeah i think if you word it in a way that's of service 
Like, is there anyone else you know that I could support? Who and, was uh, it? Sorry to cut you off. I just, just want to add to this, Vani. At the at the Vancouver event, somebody said, I forget what speaker it was. Like when someone says thank you, you have a moment of influence. Keith and, Roy. And was it Keith that said it? I don't want to give Keith credit. Okay. No. Um, it was somebody else. Let's say it was somebody else. Let's say it was Joe Polish. <laughs> yeah, let's say it was Joe. Um, so so when someone said, thank you so much for doing the thing that you said you're going to do, that's then a, a good opportunity to talk, to say to them, well, hey, thank you. We appreciate it. Also, you know, I would, probably wouldn't use that you don't suck, but you're awesome. You're awesome. <laughs> you know anybody else awesome? Because I love you to work with other people like you. Suck. Do you know what other people that don't suck? You know what's yeah. funny? Uh, what I find is we get, you know, the the real estate industry, all oh, these guys are just in it for their commissions and we get all that stuff. And then those same people are usually the people dropping the comments that say things like, you know, you shouldn't invest in real estate. You should invest in business. Well, guess what, suckers? You're not really into referring business. Does that make sense? Like those are the people that are like, oh, we should be more business minded. Oh yeah, then guess what? Start supporting business. Right. Start doing it. Right. You can only get your business supported and make your great moves in business instead of investing in real estate, which is a smarter move, but we can get to that another time. Like you have to also support other people's business. Mm. They're not just going to support you in getting you rich. You have mm -hmm. to support them. And obviously biased to mind what the way I support people is to get them into the homes that they want regardless right. of good time to buy bad time to buy all that stuff so giving people what they want is basically the only way to get successful in business yep you could possibly short term make a few sales you could uh what do they call that what's the what was the crypto the guy that just got sentenced here what's what, that guy going on you can that Bankman Freed guy, you sure. can try and scam people for a short period of time. Yeah. If you want to live in, in a business world where your business thrives for your whole career, it is supplying people with what they want and doing a good job for them. Yeah. 100%. But let's overcomplicate it, okay? <laughs> let's. Vani, uh, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I want to make sure that everyone that listens to the end knows so they can reach out to you because is it fair to say that if someone's listening at home, they're like, oh my God, I used to have Cutco knives and I actually haven't, I still have the ones I have, but I'd like to add to my set. You don't have to be a real estate agent to reach out to you to order. Is that, is that a fair statement? Fair statement. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I've been using um, them by the um, way. How many Cutco knives do you have in your house? I mean, I have a full block set. I don't know exactly the amount, but I have my my cottage and my house has a full block of Cutco knives. So, oh yeah, we nice. use them every single day. My favorite one is the one that's got the red handle with our old branding. I never get to use it because it's always been used, and then it's in the dishwasher. So I've got at least ten plus the ice cream scoop plus the scissors, and I'm going to tell you, Vonnie, do you have scissors with you? Can we cut? Can we cut a penny here today? <laughs> Let me, let me find it. <laughs> no, 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 no. Don't cut a penny. Oh, you're going to have the, 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 what do you call it, guys coming after you? You can't deface. Uh... Oh, I think it's fine. I think it's fine. <laughs> well, pennies are no good anymore. That's right. But the cheese knife, man, I'm telling you, the cheese knife, yeah. that's the one you want. That's the one you want. I live yeah, my we, life we, with the cheese knife. We, uh, we give it to all of our clients and uh, I use it literally every single day. And, and obviously, yeah, you know, if you've listened this long, you can understand that this is not a sponsored podcast. Like, this is a. <laughs> <laughs> a service that we provide with someone that we really like. Okay. All right. Are we ready to cut a penny? By the way, these, yeah. these are Cutco scissors, I would assume, correct? These are Cutco scissors. Yeah. They're, they're, we're famous for that. These, mm -hmm. they've been on TV shows, I guess, like how it's made and, and like different shows. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is already, already, I'm running out of pennies, as you can imagine. <laughs> oh, it's hard to get. Uh, so this is already, like, I already cut some of this, but yeah. Thank you for letting me cut a penny because it feels like my day is full. Mm -hmm. Like filled once I cut a penny, like it's empty, a little bit more empty if I don't cut a penny in a day. Okay. Um, I think I've cut 2000 or so more pennies with these scissors and they've never been sharpened. Like, yeah. So we use them da daily. Yeah, yeah. Obviously cutting pennies. I'm just kidding. And they come apart so you can clean them. But yeah, chicken yeah. bones, paper cards, they're yeah. awesome. Obviously, you need yeah. to cut pennies if you like have a real need. If your need and your desire in the world is to cut pennies, you know where to go from now on. <laughs> That's right. 
Vani, um, how can people that have listened to us uh, ramble on for an hour, how can they connect with you directly? Yeah. Um, at So Instagram, uh, Facebook, I think it's all at Vani Sharp Gifts. Okay. Uh, th- that's more the gifting side. So sharpgifts.ca. But you can get all my con- contact information there for even Cutco for your home if you have questions on that, need sharpening or just want to add to your collection. But yeah, on the gifting side, uh, sharpgifts.ca. Okay. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was a really, really fun conversation. Um, thank you everyone that, uh, that has listened this far in. I hope you've uh, enjoyed today's conversation. If you're still watching us on YouTube and you still haven't liked, and you still haven't subscribed and you still haven't sent me or Steve a referral. Well, we're just a little disappointed at this point. That's all I'll say. Okay. Um, we will see you next Sunday on behalf of uh, myself, Steve, and Vonnie. Thank you for listening. Have a great day, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Bonnie. That was fantastic. Just